are you recording? I want to record the joke. So remember, you put the joke in front of the music. <laughs> so what's the difference between a psychiatrist and a magician? Magician pulls rabbits out of hats, whereas a psychiatrist pulls habits out of rats. Uh, those are psychologists. It was like, no, I just... <laughs> Welcome to the Why in Psychiatry. Hi, this is Dr. Mayu, CEO Fellow. Where we delve into the intricate nuances of psychiatric topics. My name is Dr. Ndwara, attending psychiatrist. I did my residency from University of Connecticut and my fellowship from Georgetown University in consultation and liaison. Each episode features interview-style discussion that explore the intersection of the mind, medicine, and the human experience. Together, we'll uncover the hidden why. It's in the groundbreaking discovery shaping the psychiatric landscape. So grab a seat, warm beverage, tune in, and let's embark on this journey to unlock the mysteries of the human psyche. Only on The Why in Psychiatry. Today, we explore antidepressants, those complex concoctions that promise relief but sometimes keep us waiting, wondering. In this warm haven of knowledge, our journey begins with a question that echoes through the corridors of the mind. How do serotonergic antidepressants work in the brain, and what parts respond? What secrets do they unlock within our neural networks? And as we venture further, we find ourselves enveloped in a shroud of anticipation. Why does it take time for these medications to have an effect? As our host guides us through the labyrinth landscape of the brain, we seek solace in understanding. Welcome to the Why in Psychiatry. This is your host, Dr. Amayo. I go by Miracle. And as usual, I'm my co-host, Dr. Andrate, is here with us. Hi, guys. All right, just to recap what we talked about, why we get depressed. And we learned about the sales network, the executive network, and the default mode. And all of these networks are being connected by the monoamines. So springboarding off there, I was wondering when a patient comes in with depression, our first line medication is an SSRI or an SNRI. Uh, that's classic. So how do those work? Well, I know they are serotonin modulators or serotonin reuptake inhibitors, but why does that work? How does that work? What does serotonin got to do with all this? So that's a, that's a great question, right? So because those are the common medications we use. So the way most of our conventional antidepressants like SSRIs or SNRIs or NDRIs, they basically block the transporters, right? So when you block the transporters, you prevent the reuptake of the neurotransmitters from the synaptic cleft. That is one part or one way that it works. And then you have the autoreceptors that are present at the presynaptic and somatodendritic region of the neuron. So the autoreceptors usually put a break on the release of neurotransmitters. So if you look at autoreceptors, what are they? So if you stimulate an autoreceptor, you either decrease the release of a neurotransmitter or you decrease the firing of a neuron. On the other hand, if you block an autoreceptor, you increase the release of a neurotransmitter or you increase the firing of the neurons, right? So initially, when you block the transporters, there's a lot of neurotransmitter that is floating in the synaptic cleft. It will act on the autoreceptors on the nerve terminal. That will decrease the release of neurotransmitter till these autoreceptors are desensitized, right? Let's see if I, if I got it right. So our SSRI, 
blocks the reuptake transporters, and that leads to an increase of neurotransmitter in the synaptic cleft. And autoreceptors are on the neuron terminals and cell body called somatodendritic region. When there is an excess of neurotransmitters in the synaptic cleft, they decrease release of neurotransmitter from the presynaptic nerve terminals. So perfect. So now what happens is that these terminal nerve terminal autoreceptors, after some time, they get desensitized. So when they're desensitized, you release the brake. And now there will be a flow of the neurotransmitter depending upon how the neurons are stimulated, right? That is one part. Then once the neurotransmitter release, they act on the postsynaptic receptors. There are different types of serotonin receptors, right? So these serotonin receptors are present on GABA interneuron and pyramidal neurons in the prefront cortex and hippocampus, right? So in short, monoamines like serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine work on these GABA interneurons and pyramidal neurons and control the functioning or the firing of the prefrontal cortex and hippocampus. Does it make sense? Yes, sir. Yeah. But the problem with the conventional antidepressant is that it takes at least two to four weeks to see a 20% improvement in the symptoms, especially in patients who respond to it. And it takes eight to 12 weeks to see the maximum benefit or to reach remission that is a 70% improvement. So it takes a long, long, long time actually for these medications to start working. Why is that? In depression, people have a decrease in the volume of their hippocampus. Hmm. Right? So most of the conventional antidepressants like SSRI, SNRI, NDRI, what they do is that they basically stimulate the stem cells or also called the progenitor cells in the hippocampus to generate something called new granule neurons, which in turn becomes neurons. So it takes a while for this neurogenesis to take place, right? It takes days for the stem cell or the progenitor cells to develop into a new granule neurons. And that is why it takes a long time for the conventional antidepressants to work in depression. Okay. And these new granular neurons that are being stimulated from the hippocampus, what, what do they do? What's their role? The new granule neurons help the hippocampus to recover from the previous depressive episode. And now the hippocampus can communicate with the prefrontal cortex. And this hippocampal prefrontal cortex communication is responsible for the antidepressant effect. Uh, okay. And yeah. this was proved very recently, actually, by a study that was done in Northwestern University by Dr. Kessler, who's a neurologist, who basically came up with this particular hypothesis. So the reconnection between the hippocampus and the frontal lobe can help res reset the salience uh, executive um, network connection. Exactly. So it basically tries to, so the brain tries to rewire itself, right? So that like we go back to the normal physiology, like the normal way that a brain is supposed to function, like a non-depressed brain, let me put it that way. Mm. Right? And and so the role serotonin receptors play on the GABA interneurons and the pyramidal neurons, how, how does that fit into this? So if you look at the prefrontal cortex and the hippocampus, right, the structures are very, very similar, actually, when you look at the way the GABA interneurons and the pyramidal neurons function. So you have a pyramidal neuron, you have a lot of pyramidal neurons in your prefrontal cortex, which release glutamate, right? 
pyramidal neurons are controlled or fine-tuned by GABA interneurons. So if you look at GABA interneurons, there are different types, but we'll focus on two GABA interneurons. One is called somatostatin, another one is called parvalbumin. They are named after the proteins they stain for. That's why they're named that way, all right? So the somatostatin, GABA interneuron, and the parvalbumin, they will have serotonin receptors. So the somatostatin interneurons are more like the tuning button on your radio, where you select the channels, right? So it tunes your pyramidal neuron. On the other hand, the parvalbumin GABA interneurons are like a volume button. So they will control the firing of the pyramidal neurons, right? So if these interneurons are not functioning well, you'll have less firing of the pyramidal neurons. And this is what actually causes a problem because in patients with depression, there's less glutamate. And there is also a problem in the functioning of the somatostatin GABA interneurons. Sure, yeah. So only so not only is there less glutamate, it's, it's less it's running less smooth and less fluid yes. due to the defect in somatostatin GABA interneurons. Exactly right. So and the you have to also remember that the cortex is something that controls the release of neurotransmitter from the brainstem. So the monoamine neurons are present in your brainstem, and they're controlled by the firing of this pyramidal neuron. So in depression. If these GABA interneurons are not functioning well or they're hypofunctioning, the pyramidal neuron is not firing, so there's not enough glutamate. And if there's not enough glutamate or pyramidal neuron firing, there's not enough monoamine release from the brainstem. So it's a vicious cycle. So the serotonin will work on the serotonin receptors on the GABA interneurons. And therefore, stopping the cycle from, I guess, from the inside out, and so by working on the GABA interneurons, the GABA interneurons will work on the pyramidal neurons. The pyramidal neurons will lead to increasing glutamate firing. Increased glutamate firing in the frontal lobe will then lead to overall increased monoamines in the entire, from the brainstem over everywhere. That's absolutely right. So it's a top-down control of the monoamine release. Okay. I think, I think we have it. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. Feel free to smash that subscribe button like your serotonin hammering a synaptic cleft. Our tireless team is already hard at work cobbling together another potpourri of fascinating discussion for next week, so be sure to tune in. Visit our website and our podcast feed and let us know your thoughts on the episode. Subscribe so you don't miss our releases every Wednesday. Until next time, keep smiling, keep shining, and stay curious.